Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Conversations on Dance is generously supported by Yumiko. Have you seen the recent collaboration between MB Studios and Yumiko? Check out their website, yumiko.com, or their Instagram, at yumiko and at yumiko world, to view these new designs that include bags and backpacks that come in all shapes and sizes, and adorable makeup bags that say Merd, Susu, and Be a Swan. Yumiko has also recently released a new line of t-shirts and tote bags that you will want to make sure you check out. It's all up now on yumiko.com. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail, a sponsor helping to host the Vail Dance Festival in our community. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Today we are bringing you a live podcast recording from the Vail Dance Festival with New York City Ballet principal dancer Lauren Lovett. We catch up on what she has been up to since we saw her last summer, talk about her choreography and her position as artist in residence this year at the festival. Unfortunately, we again had a technology glitch during this episode and are bringing you an iPhone audio recording of the event. As you know, this audio is not up to our usual quality, but Lauren's chat with us was just too good not to bring to the masses. Thank you for your understanding. This episode was recorded live on August 4th, 2019. Hi everyone, thank you so much for coming out this Sunday morning to Festival Forms here at the Vail Dance Festival. My name is Michael Breeden. And I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro, and we are the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance, and we are former ballet dancers with Miami City Ballet. So we are here over two weeks at the festival conducting live events such as this one, and recording podcasts with Vail um, artists, and being able to show you a behind-the-scenes peek at the dancers and the artists that you love the most here at the festival. So today's guest is dancer, choreographer, and artist in residence this year at the Vail Dance Festival, Lauren Lovett. Thanks for coming out, Lauren. Hi, everybody. So at the end of our interview, we will definitely uh, open up for some audience questions. So if you think of anything that you would like to ask Lauren, hold on to it, and we'll get to you. So Lauren, we've had you on the podcast a few times. It's been always a pleasure. 
but for maybe some of our audience members who don't know you very well, let's just start at the beginning. Can you tell us a little bit about what drew you to the School of American Ballet and ultimately to New York City Ballet? Uh, yes, yeah, so I didn't hear anything about New York City Ballet until I saw this um, beautiful, beautiful dancer in my class called Sally Turkel. And to me, she was perfect. She had blonde hair and blue eyes and the most perfect ballet body I'd ever seen. So I stood next to her in class every day and found out that she went to New York every summer. And her mom told my mom to audition. I didn't get in the first time I tried. Then I wanted it more. When I was 13, I went to a summer program with the School of American Ballet, and they asked me to stay. Did you end up staying when you were 13? No, my parents were like, what? They want you to stay two weeks longer? No, like, for good. Forever. Um, so, you know, I, I worked really hard um, at home for a year. I tried to convince my parents that I was responsible, that they could trust me being away from home, um, which they could. How did you do yeah. that? Just doing more dishes? And Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just, yeah, I, I just made a point of um, growing up, I guess, and proving that I could be independent and that they could trust who I was as a person. Right. And yeah, then the next summer I got asked to stay again, and my parents said, well, we'll pray about it, and if you get a full scholarship, we'll take it as a sign from God, and then you can. <laughs> and so yeah, I did. They SAB called back, and they said, we want Lauren. We'll give her a full tuition, room and board scholarship if she comes. And my parents said, well, that's it. Wow. I think that's wow. such a, an interesting story and, and so relevant to so many children these days. You know, when you're a kid, not getting into the summer program can feel like the end of the world. But you literally, in a year, turn it around from not being accepted to getting a full ride. So, I mean, how did that experience impact the way that, even that you work as a professional now? Greatly. I mean, I went to Carolina Ballet's summer program, actually, that mm -hmm. summer. It was the first summer program that they had run. You know, it was a total experiment for them. There were five dancers in my class. So that was like, I'd never had a private lesson before. Mm -hmm. um, that was so intense for me to get that focus. Mm -hmm from teachers, I cried every day. Like it was just so hard. Um, but I, I guess, yeah, getting a full scholarship the very next year showed me that um, if I really put the work in, mm -hmm. I could do it. Because I, I don't think, I mean, in some ways I'm coordinated, but in a lot of ways I'm really not. And um, like I wasn't born flexible. Um, That's a shock. No, I mean, like I had seen you perform. So no, you worked on that. You worked definitely. Hard on that. I didn't have any of my splits as a kid. Like I'd have my sister sit on me, <laughs> be like just do it, just do it. Just. Um, so I guess it just shows you that um, you can do it if you yeah. just work hard enough. So the hard work didn't stop once you got into SAB. How did you kind of continue to push forward? What was your new um, goal that you had in mind that you set for yourself to help yourself work hard? Well, when I got to SAB, I just thought, you know, I'm way, I'm a little tiny fish in this huge pond. I'm way out of my league. Um, all the dancers there could do fuerte turns and all this stuff I couldn't do. I was brand new on point and all my classes were on point. Um, and I, I didn't have a ton of friends in school, so that was kind of difficult. I think mostly I wanted, I wanted to fit in enough that I didn't get into any trouble or, you know, I, it was passable and I wouldn't be bullied too much. And I personally, I wanted to be better at turns and 
I, there was no, no shortage of things for me to work on. <laughs> right. um, so that was kind of it. I just wanted to be, you know, good at dancing. I started watching the New York City Ballet every night. They'd give us free tickets. Because I thought SAB was to get into ABT. Oh. So I thought, oh, I'm going to go into the American Ballet. <laughs> but it wasn't the case. So I just didn't know anything about New York City Ballet at the time. So I started falling in love with Balanchine Ballets. And I'd go, I'd go by myself so I could really, um, I don't know, just take it in so. for me. Yeah. I just loved going to the ballet alone. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of it. So once you were in New York City Ballet, you were immediately noticed for your lyricism, which is kind of a quality that, uh, you know, if you were going to say a couple things about the company, that wouldn't be one. You think of the speed, musicality, energy, attack. Um, how is this both uh, a strength and something that, did, did you ever feel like it could be a disadvantage? Oh, definitely. No, I was really bad at moving fast. I still don't consider myself a very fast dancer. The slower the music, the better. <laughs> I was loving Giselle. I was like, oh, I have so much time to get to Arabic. <laughs> um, so yeah, my body, I'm not naturally flexible in like my hamstrings and things like that, but my joints are really loose. Mm -hmm. So I, I was told my entire childhood that I was weak. I had a lot of potential, but I was weak. So that's why. No, there's nothing worse. And telling yourself that as a kid all the time. Mm -hmm. I kind of think of that now when I'm teaching. I'm careful not to tell kids that they've got you know something wrong with them in mm -hmm. one way, even if it is to make them better, because you carry it mentally with you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can say it a different way. Like, oh, let's work on this strength. Then, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so you are now a choreographer, and in recent years, you've been working on expanding your choreography repertoire. So, what do you feel like you've learned in this? as an artist, what have, have, how have you grown from that first, very first commission to what you're working on now? I guess making work, for me it's so different than dancing. Dancing you are vulnerable on stage and you are giving, but there's something about creating mm -hmm. that's really just you. So I'm really glad I, I jumped into it because it's, it's helping me be a more honest person, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. How does it affect you as a dancer? How do you, how, what do you take from your work as a choreographer that then you bring to uh, your work as a dancer? Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm asking other dancers to move a certain way, then I kind of have to practice what I preach. <laughs> so that's been fun. Mm -hmm. um, it's just the same way as teaching classes helps you mm -hmm. um, as a professional. It's the same yeah. thing. So it's making me more creative. I realize I can make more choices on stage. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's just making me braver. Braver and more honest. Because I'm not, I've, not a lot of people know this about me. I actually don't like performing very much. Like <laughs> <laughs> at all. Um, so that's always been a struggle for me growing up. Like the stage was just such a, um, such a bear for me to get over. I, I went to therapy for a year when I first got into the New York City Ballet. These are just so hard for me to, to get out there in front of people. Uh, but I love class and I love the movement quality and the emotional elements and the music. I, there's so much about dance that I love. And I don't know, since choreographing, I feel a little bit more free on stage because I've already put myself out there in so many ways that now you know, showing you my dancing is, is easier. I think a lot of people don't know that, that there are kind of two camps of dancers, right? You have dancers that 
that like the work and, and the class, mm -hmm. and then there are dancers that are just stage animals. You yeah. people, I think people <laughs> presume that we all do it for the glory of no. the stage, but a lot of people do struggle with stage fright. So you, you went to therapy, but were there other ways that you sought to overcome that hurdle? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's all mental. So I had to start, I really had to start thinking of the audience in a different way. Um, that people weren't out there judging me. That way they were there to have a good time. Um, I was there to move people. I think about that now, like what, do I, what am I trying to say to you? Like, what do I want you to feel in my dancing? Not just, oh, did I get my perfect pirouette or not? Right, right. Um, so that's helped. Did you find yourself focusing? I think as dancers, we can really focus on those one or two people in the audience that are <laughs> the powers that be for us, or did you? was it really more just like the amount of people that were out there, and was that part of your thought process for overcoming it? I'm better when I don't know the people in the audience. Mm -hmm when it's a very general thing, because that's just me giving to you as a human, you know, a human mass, a mass of human <laughs> Not, like if I have someone specific, like a family member, right. close friend in the audience, then I'm thinking about what they're thinking about my dancing, mm -hmm. and all that starts to play. Right. Um, but if it's just the, the general public, even if I do have a lot of friends in the audience, mm -hmm. if I think of it that way, mm -hmm. then everybody's equal, and it's, right. I'm just giving you something. Mm -hmm the same that I would give anybody, yeah. so. I think it's interesting uh, that you said that being a choreographer has encouraged you to be braver as a dancer because certainly you make a lot of bold decisions as a choreographer. Was that always the case? When, what were your first um, things that you did and then what, were, what was behind that? Uh, choreographically? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I was very brave with my first ballet, my first real ballet. I used old music, which nobody was doing, but that was also kind of safe because I knew that it was good classical music and Schumann, and I knew people would like it. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been trying to get braver and braver, or more true, um, more true to what I actually love, what moves me, because it's less important now that I've had so many bad reviews. Um, it's less important that you know it's this. Um, common thing that everybody's gonna love, and it, it matters more to me that it's something that I truly love. Mm -hmm. And um, can you tell me a little bit about what what you mean by more more truthful, more honest? More truthful. Like what would what would what would a phony uh, product be? To you? Oh, Lauren. <laughs> um, I guess when I'm thinking about who's coming to the show mm -hmm. and what they're gonna take from it, what they're gonna like about it or not. For instance, my second ballet made for New York City Ballet, I used um, a film score, which I already knew was a risky decision because people that come to the ballet who love music and um, are really well versed in all of that and educated, they think, you know, that's not as high caliber. You should use um, music made for the stage, not for a film. Mm -hmm. So that was, I was scared to do that, but at the same time, it was what, it was the music that made me cry every time I listened to it. So. Okay. I'm trusting that feeling more. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad because um, even if a lot of people come back to me and say, oh, this wasn't um, you know, highbrow enough or it's just not my taste, I'll get a letter from a little kid that you know, says the most incredible things and how it moved them and how that, that's their dream now. And mm -hmm. So there's always, if it touches one person, right. it's enough for me now. Mm -hmm. If it touches myself and it touches one other person, then it's worth it. Right. 
So talking about um, stage anxiety, and we've spoken with some choreographers in the past about how different it can be being in the audience as a choreographer watching your piece. There's an anxiety that goes with that, but also no control. You have no control over the situation, and you just have to sit back and wait. So how is that anxiety different for you, or maybe it's better? It's better. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather watch in the audience my piece for sure. I love it. Um, I guess to me it's more about the process of the work. Like, I love being in the studio with the dancers, mm -hmm. uh, making it. I love making the ballet. Mm -hmm. So by the time we get to the stage, I'm not really all that worried that it's going to, you know, it can go badly. Oh. I don't know if that word even means badly. But, um, <laughs> you know, something can change in that performance and it's okay. Right. Mm -hmm because we've had such a good time making it over time. Mm -hmm. And I know it's not yeah. the end also. I know that it keeps, mm -hmm. I always change things too mm -hmm. in my choreography, so it's never really set or finished. Mm -hmm. What do you think are some traits that define you as a choreographer? Or define your work? I don't know, that's too hard <laughs> to Besides honesty, that seems like <laughs> a big one for you. I'm trying not to be defined yet, mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's what it is. You know, people keep asking me what my voice is. What's your voice as a choreographer? And I just don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't. I just. I want each piece to be very different from the last. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. That's something I, I like about your your work is that you are. You seem to be trying on different um, ways and styles. It reminds me of like you look at Van Gogh's early years. Like it's like this looks like a you know, this influence, and then that, that, you know, this is pointillism or whatever, you know, sure. and then I don't want to do that. So, you know, I, I think that it's like your exploration right now is what is making you interesting. Thank you. Yeah. So who are some of your greatest choreographic influences? Maybe, maybe it's art or yeah. dance or music? It always changes. I mean, depending on what I'm making, it always changes. Um, it's funny, people talk about the muse mm -hmm. and what I think that is, is when you're completely present in the moment and you go with that first thought. The thought that you second guess and you try to change or talk yourself out of. I'm learning to trust that. So even if it's a random image, like, this is gonna sound weird, like a grasshopper, I'll be like making a step and then I think of a grasshopper and then I could wipe that away and say, oh no, no that's dumb, you know, or that's embarrassing, I'm not gonna say that I do. I lose, mm -hmm. I realized. Um, like last year, I've been realizing that. So now I'm going with that first instinct, and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, no, but most changing. of the time it does. So um, whether that's me or, you know, what, who is the voice in your head? Mm -hmm. And is it you? So to me, that's listening to the muse, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. So you recently had a fellowship at the Center for Ballet and the Arts at NYU. Mm -hmm. um, why did you apply, and what were you kind of hoping to get out of this opportunity? I wanted to see if I wanted to be a choreographer. <laughs> um, because for me, I'm, I'm a dancer first. I'm a ballerina. I dance in New York City Ballet full time. Takes up almost all my days. Um, and I've never just choreographed alone. Up, well, up until that point. So I wanted to see what my life would feel like if I wasn't dancing and I was just choreographing. Mm -hmm. And if I actually liked it. Um, I think that that's interesting that you brought that up because uh, it's making me think you said obviously you were so busy as a dancer, mm -hmm. but some one of the things that people say to kind of um, dismiss the fact that we have a, a lack of female choreographers is like, well, the women are just inherently more busy than the men. Yeah. But you're kind of saying no to that idea. <laughs> well, I, for me, it was the perfect opportunity because I do Nutcracker every year. 
obviously we always do nutcracker <laughs> it's like seven weeks and um, after a while I've done the sugar plum fairy enough so <laughs> I, it was the perfect opportunity to leave the company for a little while and try something else out and and get that time mm -hmm. back and it turned out that I really you know I really loved that that experience because I was making work not for the stage it wasn't for anybody else's eyes um, I worked with a ton of different freelance artists tried to move differently mm -hmm. each piece was very different um, at one point one of the dancers you were working with um, injured their toe and you oh, yeah. decided to <laughs> do a whole series of floor choreography right. I thought that was so great <laughs> yeah one of my dancers came in with a bloody toe it was completely bandaged it was so big she couldn't even wear a shoe. And so I thought, well, we'll just do a floor dance at the piano and you'll use your arms. Because I, I looked at all this art at the Met. Mm -hmm. And um, I love that little solo that I made for her. It's really fun. It, a challenge. I like stuff like that. If there's a problem in the uh -huh. studio, uh, that's interesting to me. Yeah. Like, how can we problem solve? Oh, you can't use your right arm. OK. Like, <laughs> do all this cool stuff with the left. So to me, um, it's almost harder if the sky's the limit and you have everything at your disposal. So sometimes I'll create my own restriction. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, in that case, Zoe came in with the her tone. <laughs> I wonder if I'll do that solo again. Maybe I'll bring it back and make so. a video of it. Or Can you tell us a little bit about how that program at NYU works for those of us who might not be familiar and what it meant to you to be a fellow in that program? Mm -hmm. um, it's a really, really cool fellowship at NYU that they have at the Center for Ballet and the Arts. Basically, they bring scholars and dancers together, or choreographers, so artists that are making work now and people that have studied art over you know, the centuries or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they, we all get in one room and, and discuss things. So mm -hmm. they ask us questions, we ask them questions. There's a seminar every Monday, so somebody could be doing I don't know, a whole piece about, you know, um, Judaism and dance. Mm -hmm. And they could be researching that for years. And um, somebody could be making a piece about that mm -hmm. currently. So there's just a lot of knowledge, like a wealth of knowledge there uh, to absorb from. So I, I had a great time because I met so many uh, allies in the field, mm -hmm. yeah, so many resources. And you get free space. So you can create all day long in a studio when you're a fellow there and um, without limits or bounds. You know. mm -hmm. How has that experience shaped your approach now? Do you think that that opened your mind to certain possibilities? Definitely, because I used to feel I had to have um, everything planned before going into the studio. Not everything, everything, but like a general idea of what I was gonna do, maybe some combo set up. Now I trust myself that I'll go into a space and just create something. And that's very helpful, especially for me currently when time is so limited. If a company asked me to make a piece in two weeks, which has happened, mm -hmm. I'm confident that I can do that now. Right. Whereas right. before, I probably would have second guessed. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if I can. Mm -hmm. So, I think it just liberated me of my own doubt. Yeah. How did that um, that work that you created? What kind of life has it had after NYU? Is there there's like a performance at the end? Is that correct? So Show, showing. Yeah, there's a showing at the end of NYU, um, but it's. I think they close it off now to mm -hmm. just the fellows. Mm -hmm. It's actually pretty brutal. Everybody picks your work apart. You know, you wow. you have to make a full-on presentation. I tried to do PowerPoint. <laughs> 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 but 
try things. Right. Um, so I, you know, I showed all my work, and you know, people just, you know, they they make real, genuine criticism. Um, it's a safe space for that, mm -hmm. but it's not easy right. by any means, and I think that's a good thing. Right. Um, that's a, a really. That's good so interesting to me because choreography is kind of one of the only fields it seems like where, you know. Especially in the ballet world, you don't go to school to learn how to be a choreographer. They don't really teach you composition. They just kind of throw you in a room and say, "Make something," mm -hmm. and you know, we'll see how it turns out. But there isn't a lot of back and forth. Um, do you have people outside of the fellowship that you will say, "Will you come look at my work and offer advice?" Or I do. One of them's here today, John Harrison. He's been in almost all of my. Um, all of my choreographic studio space works, and I'll ask him, you know, John, what do you think, right arm, left arm? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have, a, I have a good amount of people that I'll ask their opinion, uh, but it is hard. It's hard to find people that will give you the honest truth and not mm -hmm. just say, oh, we like you, so yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier um, about bad reviews and then maybe some criticism that you get from fellow choreographers. How do you deal with that and kind of, you know, just say, I know what I'm doing, I'm going to keep working on my path and keep trying and keep working. Yeah. It was very hard. After my second ballet that I made for New York City Ballet, I was feeling pretty down, you know, after getting two really, really not great reviews in a row. And I had to make my piece for ABT Studio Company two weeks, two weeks later, which was actually perfect. I'm glad it was lined up because I didn't want to get back on the horse and I kind of had to. Right. Um, so life kind of forced me to keep going in the time when I needed it the most. Mm -hmm. And then uh, now I just don't really mm -hmm. mind as much because the truer it is to me, like I said, I don't uh, worry as much about what people are getting from right. it. Um, well, it's like the great philosopher Lady Gaga said, you know, there could be a hundred <laughs> people in a room and 99 don't believe in you, but all you need is the one. All right? you need is the one. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really true. And I, I guess I, I know why I make things. Even the things that might seem kind of silly, like last year I made a comedy ballet, um, but I made it for our pianist, mm -hmm. Cameron Grant, and he was in every single rehearsal, and just uh, the joy that came out of that man, <laughs> the process, and if I could get him to laugh, I had done you know, a good job that day, and so I, you know, it depends on who I'm working with, but usually it's about whoever I'm collaborating with. Mm -hmm. That's a great reference to your work here at Vale Dance Festival, so let's talk about that. Okay. Um, so this year, you, you're no stranger to the Vale Dance Festival. You've been here how many years? Uh, I don't we know, like seven? Oh, okay, a lot, yeah. So, but this year you um, return in a different capacity. You're our artist in residence this year. How did that position come about, and how has that changed your experience here at the 2019 festival? I don't know how it came about. I just know that Damien called me and asked me if I'd be the artist in residence. And I, I of course, I didn't think twice. Mm -hmm. It's such an honor, it's such an honor to be the artist in residence here. This is my favorite place to dance in the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for supporting and making it what it is, because um, it is such a special place. Mm -hmm. It's so close to my heart. Even when I'm having a really hard year at work, mm -hmm. whatever's happening in the dance world, you come here to the mountains and it's just this haven. It all goes away. And um, there are no bounds. Like I get to dance with dancers from other companies mm -hmm. and collaborate with them and, and create work on them. And 
I meet musicians and other dance styles. It's just really it's special. Right. So. Um, How does it differ from what any other year in Vail would be? This year? Yeah. I'm just working way hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hardest I've ever worked, I think, in my entire career, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I had some days where I'd start at 10 and I'd finish at 12 p.m. I mean, a.m., so like full, full, full days. Um, we caught you the other night nearly falling asleep in your steak after. You did. You caught me at the bar yeah. in my pajamas. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was me. But um, I think it's there's something about there's something about this place that even when you're working that hard, you never feel discouraged. You know, I thought maybe I might have some kind of breakdown, or um, you know, I'd get too stressed that I'm making work and learning things in a matter of days and dancing with new people and the altitude and everything. I haven't felt that way. Um, it's been like such a gift being the artist in residence this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about the new work that you are creating here at the festival this year? Sure. Uh, so my idea changed a lot at the beginning. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, um, but I knew who I wanted to work with. I really wanted to use Unity Phelan with New York City Valley and Kennard Henson. He's a new dancer with us. He's only been with the company two years. I, I've never done just two people. Mm -hmm. I always have these ballets that are about 10 to 12 dancers. Um, last year I think was eight. So I wanted to do something more intimate and mm -hmm. small. Um, it started out uh, as sort of, I looked at them and I thought, you guys look like Adam and Eve to me. <laughs> something about them, um, they can do anything. They just, they're perfect blank canvases to work on. Mm -hmm. So I started there. I knew I wanted to use new music, and my idea was if I if I build a body, um, like if, if I were God building a body, I'd start with the bones and then breathe life into it. So I wanted percussion music, just percussion, because to me that sounds very skeletal. Uh, so I that's kind of where it started. Mm -hmm. It started with the idea of building a body, and it turned into this topic of fear. Um, so if I, should I just walk you through my piece? I would love that, yeah. yeah. So um, it's four movements long. The first one is, like I said, very skeletal. It's the, the bare bones. They're, um, they, have, they base the, their movement off of instinct. Mm -hmm. They don't look at each other that much. It's very, almost animal. Mm -hmm. um, and really exciting and dynamic. The second movement, um, completely changes, so you go into these different worlds, and it's how I imagine like muscles to be, muscle and tissue. Um, I thought, well, something like the books, you know, something very, uh, it's not formed yet, uh, this kind of like um, idea of electric guitar and electric bass and sound that goes over itself that's a little bit different each time. Um, so then, yeah, that it kind of turned into that idea, and then um, I thought of order. Like the next thing you do in a body is coordinate it, put it all together. Mm -hmm. And so I used the Ravel piano concerto with G. Oh, um, but just the first three minutes of it, so it's um, just that beautiful piano solo that to me is just flawless. Mm -hmm. Like I wouldn't change anything about it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
the dancers start to notice each other. You add emotion, um, you know, the, the next element of being human in my mind. Mm -hmm. And then the fourth movement is sort of um, like, why are we here? Um, you know, fear, uh, the complicated emotions mm -hmm. that we have as humans, that what sets us apart from animals. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that sounds, it just sounds so Lauren to me. You, you always have such a strong point of departure for anything you do, and I just thought that was such a, a wonderful way to get context for your ballet before we get to see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's, I think it's my favorite thing I've made. Uh, it's different, you know, I'm not really expecting it to be like this big raving success because it is really strange, like to put all of those things together. My last movement is Kate Davis singing her new single, Rabbits. And it's just, you know, how do you go from, you know, just percussion to this electric mm -hmm. guitar sound, like almost rock sound with ballet, mm -hmm. into Ravel, into Kate singing. Mm -hmm. Like that's right. just like four very different worlds in one piece, one 15 minute piece. Mm -hmm. But to me it works. Was um, the composer for the first two movements? You said that's new? It's music? New, new music. So I, um, there's a drummer here that, that worked with the festival last year, Cameron McIntosh. And um, I chose him because I, he's at Juilliard right now, so he's right next to me. <laughs> um, which, for me, if I'm going to make new music or co collaborate that way, I really don't want it to be thrown together or right. you go over there, make the music, give it to me eventually. Mm -hmm. So um, I spent a lot of time at Juilliard going through what is this piece about, how many bars do we want of this type of rhythm and um, yeah, I mean just so intimately connected to how the music was made yeah. uh, so I think that's why I wanted to use him in that mm -hmm. way and he, he would care about it he's younger um, sometimes you can use a really skilled artist mm -hmm. but if they're really busy then they you know they might not give 100% mm -hmm. it's hard to collaborate it's yeah. hard to collaborate well we hope that everyone comes out to see that on Monday night we really look forward me to too Mm -hmm. 
So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that you are dancing at the festival. Last night, for instance, you did do a concert on with James Whiteside. Mm -hmm. It was originally supposed to be the first time you guys were going to dance together, but due to an emergency, he did partner you and Serenade mm -hmm. on an opening night. Um, but, you know, bouncing, that's your bread and butter, that's what you do all the time at home. How is the experience in Vail from, you know, learning, coaching, performing on different from what you do uh, during the season at New York City Ballet? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I, to me, we have some of the best Valentine coaches here. We have Heather Watts and Damian Wendell. I love working with them. Mm -hmm. um, I think my favorite thing about working with them is they don't try to make you do anything the way that they did it mm -hmm. uh, or any particular way. I mean, they really show you all the versions. They say, this has been done, this has been done, this has been done. What looks good on you? What, what do you feel? Mm -hmm. And then they help you trust yourself in that, too. Mm -hmm. So I feel free here. When I dance Balanchine, because it's um, it is very correct, right? Um, but it's also so it's just so you. Mm -hmm. They find the version that is you, so um, it's more fun <laughs> um, here. But also dancing with James was a really thrilling experience. I'd always wanted to dance with him. Uh, he's so talented, and. That's also kind of the exciting thing about this festival is different people working together. Right. It breathes breathes new life into it. Right. Um, when you go back home then and dance at New York City Valley, mm -hmm. do you take those things that Damien and Heather tell oh, you with you? Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Um, I call this place ballet boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> so it just sort of I take they're like little gems that I take with me mm -hmm. um, for the rest of the year. Joy. She's such a joyful person to be around. 
she creates that environment too. Mm -hmm. I was nervous for that first day because I thought, you know, I do ballet. Mm -hmm. How am I going to move like you? Right. I don't know how that's possible. And she couldn't dance at the time. She had hurt her foot. So she couldn't even really show me very mm -hmm. much. And, um, but she's, she's such a, a good communicator. So she, she would visualize things. And um, the way that she would describe the movement was, I don't know, just made it simpler for yeah. my brain to break down, but I, I had a good time with her because she gets everything out right away. Mm -hmm. like the first thing you have to do is silently scream in her solo, mm -hmm. like three times. <laughs> <laughs> so once you've done that, right. uh, you know, you've kind of been embarrassed already. So um, I think that was, she really pushed me. And I, I mean, I tell people this all the time, it's not a lie, it's really, truly my favorite thing that I've done on stage. Cool. Um, it's just so not what I usually do. Right. Uh, and how does that experience as a dancer affect your choreography? Oh, greatly. The, the more um, choreographers I work with that don't do ballet, I think it, it shows me that I can move my body in a different way. Uh, it shows you what's possible. Mm -hmm. uh, the, one of the first things Hope asked me to do is just fall. Like, I was just standing and she was like, just fall to the ground. No, you know, just all in one piece. Like, don't put your knees down first. Don't catch yourself with your hands. Just. <laughs> and people might not know this about ballet dancers, but ballet dancers cannot fall. No. No, modern dancers can. We don't no. know how. No, don't know how. <laughs> Floor work isn't a thing at a New York City ballet. So I, you know, that was really exciting. Once you learn how to do something like that, you go, oh, wow, I guess I can do that. I guess I can fall over and not break my. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's good that way. Mm -hmm. She taught me a lot of things, and I hope that piece has a life and continues on mm -hmm. because it was really exciting to make it beautiful. Well, I just love how open you are, both as a choreographer and a dancer, and I can't wait to see what tomorrow is like for sure. Yeah, thanks. So I think now we could open the floor to some questions. I'm sure some of you have something you'd like to ask Lauren. So and we'll go ahead and. Repeat the question into the so microphone that can, so yes. that we can all hear it before Lauren answers. Any questions? Oh, come on, Lauren. Right here. Right here. <laughs> so, um, there's been some turmoil at NY City Ballet, and I wanted to know how that's affected the creativity of the dancers who are there. I guess my take on it would be that it's probably opened it up a lot of opportunities for people, but I'd like to hear your, re your reaction. How has the sort of turmoil that's been going on at the organization at New York City Ballet affected the art that's being produced? Mm. Um, for me, I can only speak for myself personally, but that was just such a difficult time when you lose um, your leader and there's not another one appointed right away. Mm -hmm. You're sort of in this uh, no man's land, but it feels like limbo. limbo. And, it, and I think it did open up a lot of creativity in me. Because you really have to do it for yourself at that point. So I had a lot of performances where I thought, you know, who's watching me? Who's, mm -hmm. uh, who's telling me if this is right or not? And it's you. You know, you have to tell yourself if it's right or not. Was it honest? Was it true? Was it you? Know, you, you feel it on the inside of yourself. So I think for me personally, it was good and really hard. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, not easy at all. So, I mean, it's it's difficult. I, I had a good relationship with my boss. So, um, you know, I, that's not everybody's experience. Mm -hmm. 
So I never said anything about it. You know, I, I, I didn't feel like it was my place to say anything about it because I don't want to discredit another person's point of view. Um, but that, that was a hard time for me personally. Mm -hmm. Any other questions in the back? Lots of questions. So you said you enjoyed dancing with James Whiteside and that you had wanted to. Who decides who dances with whom and what you dance? <laughs> yeah, so the question is who decides who you dance with here? Uh, Damien Wetzel, <laughs> uh, he definitely does a good job of that. He has a whole team, though. I'm sure that bounce, they bounce ideas off of each other. Sometimes he'll ask. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll put a good word in. I'll be like, oh, if maybe enough people ask if I can dance with this dancer, I'll dance it. Or if I can do this part, I'll dance it. But you never really know until the festival, and um, Damien makes all the final decisions. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right here. Uh, how and when did you learn Giselle to perform it here? Did you do that here, or did you work on it already in New York, and with whom? Which one you? Mm -hmm. What was the process like working um, on the Pada and Giselle uh, for Fairly Dance Festival? Um, so I learned that ballet a couple of years ago um, with another New York City ballet dancer. Damien taught it to us. We watched a lot of footage. Alessandra Ferry came in and helped me wow. with some of the adagio stuff, which was invaluable. She's still my favorite of all the videos that I've seen of people doing it. I've never seen it live. I never got the chance. But uh, So I did get a little bit of her input. But then I hadn't done it in a couple of years. That kind of leaves you. Mm -hmm. So this year, Isabella Boylston helped me a lot. Yeah, and, and James Whiteside. He came <laughs> into some of our rehearsals. and. And that was just so great. When you're when you're working with somebody who's actually done the role, mm -hmm. um, it's very different. They tell you how it's supposed to feel, uh, not just who they've seen do it. And, oh, this is a cool version. Mm -hmm. um, they can actually tell you what the intention behind the motion is. So um, that's really nice. It's cool to be coached and work with a contemporary too. A lot of times we work with people who done it quite some time ago, so it's fun to be like, oh, I did this last week, and I liked yes. <laughs> the way it felt or something. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was a wonderful experience. Mm -hmm. Joe and I got a lot out of that. And it was an accident, kind of, because we it was one of those days where Damien was totally full, and he couldn't come to our rehearsal, and mm -hmm. Isabella was passing by, and we just grabbed her. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it makes you feel like you can be more honest in it. Mm -hmm. like it's, yeah. You actually have it right. Yeah. Somebody's approved it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question. Right. Um, so I saw your piece two, three years ago that now premieres, and it was wonderful. And we haven't seen it again. And so my question was about that specifically and more generally, to give us a sense of what determines whether your pieces kind of move on and have a life and get performed over and over again. And, and second, when, when will we see that piece again? <laughs> So what determines when a new choreographic work um, continues to have a life afterwards? How do we decide if it comes back to the stage? Uh, I wish I could decide. Uh, it's not, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with money and um, programming, directors choosing it to, to be performed. So I, I'm like you. I always hope that things come back. Because <laughs> it's special. You know, it's, a process, they're, um, it's my art. It's my artwork. And sometimes if it's frozen in a video, it just feels lost. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure a lot of choreographers feel that way because there's so much out there. Um, but maybe someday I'll, I'll have my own gig and then I can bring all my ballets. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> is there anything in particular that you've made that you would love to see come back that hasn't yet? Oh, so many things. Oh, pretty much every work that I've done. Yeah, just have a chance to play with it again. Yeah. Um, Angels of the Get Through, the piece that I did for four women, I'd mm -hmm. like to, to do again. I, I always felt like I didn't have enough time for that one. Mm -hmm. So it feels very unfinished in my mind. Yeah. And uh, working on the pot dough with Miriam and Devin was a really nice reminder that I really want to keep working on that piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, right here. You mentioned you like having the opportunity to do classical ballet at can you talk about how it differs when you do New York City ballet? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. Can you talk about the uh, difference between dancing classical work versus what you do in City It's very different um, in the sense of approach. So there's a, a different way of holding your hands, a different way of carrying your arms. Um, there's a, a different focus on balance. And um, I mean, you can hide less, so it's more exposing in a lot of ways. You either get your pirouette or you don't get your pirouette, and there's that very specific music for it, and it's very clear. Um, so I think that's what draws me to it. There's something very, you know, when you've done it well, because it, you know, there's a not boxes to check off, but there's a difference in approach and sort of a system that you can go, oh, um, I did that moment, I did my Abaddon pirouette, and it landed exactly in fifth, and then I did the Ronde there's something very clear about it and um, pure. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I like doing it. The old Lauren, <laughs> I, even three years ago, Lauren wouldn't have said that because I'd be too afraid. Um, but now I, 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 I like the challenge. One more. Okay. Um, I've, been, I've had a subscription to ABT for many, many years. I just would love to know the process of a new work, how you actually teach the dancers today. Is it, I mean, I'm assuming everything is written down step by step. Is a video? I mean, I just, it's, it's all obviously visual. Um, so could you, could you go over that? And how long it takes and to learn a new piece? To learn a new piece. Let's talk about the process that we go for for learning a new piece as dancers. Mm -hmm. Um, existing choreography or my choreography? Any choreography. Any choreography. Oh, um, it is a combination of video, um, things that, notes that are written down and notated over time, um, people that have danced it before, coaches coming in. To me, I always work better with a coach. Um, I think I'm sort of dyslexic with video footage. <laughs> like, it takes me twice as long yeah. to watch a video than somebody just teaching me the ballet. Um, but it's always different in that sense, and it takes a little bit of time um, depending on the movement style. So if it's a movement that you're not familiar with, I think classical ballet is probably the easiest because everything is named. It's grand jambe, petit pas mal, mm -hmm. grand jeté. So you have a name for everything that you can sort of, um, I don't know, you can keep yourself on track that way and remember it mentally better. If it's new choreography that's, a little bit strange, you know, that takes a different muscle. Um, so that takes a little bit more time. But then, you know, with classical ballet, it takes me a little bit more time to get the technique of it down. So I like that you mentioned um, videos and being dyslexic. I'm a little like that too. And maybe our audience isn't quite sure what we mean by yes. that. So tell us a little bit why it's so challenging to learn choreography off a of video. 
for me, it's challenging because if I'm looking at it straight on, right is left and left is right. <laughs> so you have to flip everything <laughs> in your mind. Yeah, so it's actually very hard for me to learn off of the video, but some dancers do it you know, second nature. Michael's great at it. Really? <laughs> <I hope so. laughs> so difficult for me. Like I'll spend a long time. I'll pause it and go slowly, scrolling, watching the arm. <laughs> Actually, once again, John Harrison knows this. He's in the audience right now, um, trying to learn Hope Boykin's piece again because it, we had had a little bit of time mm -hmm. right, between the last time we danced it. All of that movement style is different for me, right. so it's not downloaded into my body the same mm -hmm. way. Um, so I had John Harrison on the video watching it while I was trying to do the moves, like, is my right arm up now? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what about the left leg? What leg am I on? <laughs> so um, it's just hard to learn new stuff, but it is really fun. If you do the same work over and over again, it can get stale. Mm -hmm. I think we have time for one more, if there is a last question. Right here. When, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, it's, it's you. It's you. You spoke about the instinct coming, and the first job is not to dismiss it. Mm -hmm. um, but when instinct comes to you usually, is is it sort of, oh, that's how they those to get together. That's the connection that leads to something new. Or, or is it more like a random lightning strike that mm -hmm. comes out and you happen to have your metal things on your hat <laughs> it lands. Right. Can you talk a little bit of what you were discussing earlier about the, the muse visiting you and what that process is? Oh, it's such a combination of things. Sometimes it does feel like a lightning bolt where it's just so clear what I should do in that time, in that moment. Mm -hmm. And other times it's a, a complete accident. You know, I'll have the idea of you know, oh, this is a bird um, flying down from a tree, and this is how it would look. And then I tell it to the dancer, and the dancer does something completely different, and it's better. <laughs> so um, just being uh, flexible, I guess, in that moment in time is That's what makes it so exciting. How much do you take from your dancers when you're um, choreographing? So much. Yeah. So much. Um, I love working with dancers who are very open to try things. Mm -hmm. That's a, any choreographer would say that. Mm -hmm. um, but they, it is, it does become theirs. Mm -hmm. So if it's uncomfortable for the dancer, I have a tendency to, to shy away from the movement. Not, not if it's challenging. I like it to be challenging. Mm -hmm. Just um, there's a difference between something being uncomfortable and, and challenging. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Right. Oh, did I answer your question? Yes. Kind of? yeah. <laughs> good, good, good try. Anyway. Yeah, good try. Yeah, how do you explain the mind? It's it's hard to say, but sometimes it's emotion that that I'm feeling, and sometimes it's uh, you know random thoughts, um, and sometimes it is the dancer and just looking at them, and then you see it. Well, thank you so much for talking to us this morning, Lauren. We know that you are a very busy lady, so we'll send you back to your 12 hours of rehearsal. <laughs> thank you all for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to being able to bring you more interviews from our time at the Vail Dance Festival. In the meantime, be sure to connect with us on social media and join the conversation. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at, at Conversations on Dance. And be sure to join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod 
to connect with other listeners and discuss recent interviews. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Conversations on Dance. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.